0: This pandemic is unprecedented for us, but we have experienced other hard things. This time gives us an opportunity to practice resilience and to show our kids what resilience looks like. Hello, everyone. My name is Stephen King, and this is Episode 5 of Apples and Coffee. Today, we will be discussing teaching during the pandemic, Part 3. This covers the 2021 2022 school year. I am joined today by my new co-host Mr. Patrick Joyner and special guest Sarah Rose. I will allow our special guest to introduce herself first and then my co-host will introduce himself.
1: Hi everyone my name is Sarah Rose and I have I am a second grade teacher and I've been teaching for four years now.
2: My name is Patrick Joyner. Uh, I've been teaching for eight years and I'm about to move to Japan to start teaching there. So I'm very excited about this
0: episode because it covers this school year, which I believe that my school is probably the last school to end in the whole country. That's what it feels like. Everyone, all my teacher friends have been out. It feels like for weeks except for us. So I'm excited because in my opinion, I don't know if y'all feel like this, but this is easily the hardest year I had as a teacher for a variety of reasons. Yeah,
1: I agree. Me too. There
0: was times in the beginning of the year where I did not feel like I was my best self. I didn't feel like I was giving my students my best. And I I struggled in the beginning of the year. Like easily first three, four months, it was a struggle. I was questioning my existence as an educator. Mm.
1: Yes, I agree. I agree with you, Stephen. I felt the same way.
2: Man, it's a complete opposite for me. I was giving 100%. <laughs> my students were giving me 0.5. They were not interested in doing work or being in the classroom or following rules or anything. And I think that's kind of like the the part where you say, okay, as an educator, what are students missing after being out for so long? But, yeah, this year was challenging in a a number of different ways for a number of different teachers. Um, Sarah, so both me and Patrick, we both middle
0: school. I remember when we went on, we went on a hike earlier this year. Mm -hmm. I don't remember that. And I was asking you about the, uh, how the kids were in class. Yeah. Do you remember the analogy you used?
1: I don't remember, but I feel like it was some, at that point in the school year, we had just started and I was already at my It
0: was very (laughs) early in the school year. So it was quote unquote, like wild cats. Because they never because you know, they went like without socializing for
1: Yes, they were uh, like wild cats, I remember. Yeah. Oh
0: I that um, kind of so. to
1: give a background on that. I'm so I teach second grade. The kids that I had this past school year, they had never been in school, formal school for a whole year ever, because the pandemic and lockdown happened when they were halfway through kindergarten and a lot of them just like never joined virtual school. So they just didn't know how to socialize with each other or anything. So coming into second grade, it was literally just like wild cats everywhere. Just like, they didn't know what to do. They were all over the place, like... Yeah. No, no,
0: that's fair. Like, and for anyone who might get upset with that analogy, because we know how people like to get upset about everything. Well, She's yeah. Like, calling cats, people. OK, just, <laughs> getting you an idea of how the kids were interacting with each other on the playground and in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So don't get all sensitive.
2: Oh, you mean they thought they were literal
0: cats? Like, Well, you know, I just say that because, you know, people I won't say are, I, won't, I won't use the word sensitive, but, you know, people take things. Literally. Way. Right, right, right. I don't want anyone coming after Sarah for what she said because then they have to deal with me. And I I yeah. Yeah. I don't want none of that smoke. So uh the first topic I wanted just to jump right into was what you we already kind of started talking about, those new kids for you, mm-hmm. uh who only had half a year of school before um going home. So new calendar, new year, new kids. Mm-hmm. Uh how did it start? How did the year start with the students in person? Like, because the year before we started off, I mean, my school we started off like half and half. of this slowly started getting everyone back this year, it's full back, fully in person. And I'll just go ahead and start real quick. For me, the first thing I noticed was the social skills. Like, they just weren't there, and I had to make a conscious decision to make sure that my lessons focused on social skills and helping my students get to know who they are because while they were at home I know they don't do any type of well some of them do self-reflection but a lot of them don't and so I started taking steps so they could start examining who they are and explore that whole um, part of themselves while also learning how to socialize with each other and it was it was painful rewarding at the end I have the cards and stuff to prove it but in the beginning of the year, it was it was very it was it was hard work. I don't know if any everyone agrees with this, but you know the maturity wasn't there like it would have been had it been in a school setting. So I had a lot of kids who were still in like a fifth, sixth grade mindset, but they're in bigger bodies, and they didn't quite realize that you have grown physically, so you can't necessarily do the same things you did in fifth grade. And so trying to uh, balance that out.
1: So when we first started this school year, it was the same as your school, Stephen. It was everyone's back in person. Um, The kids, at least my kids, because they're so young, they're only seven. They were excited to be back at school and like see their friends, but they didn't know how to interact with each other. So we still had that same thing that you were seeing also, Stephen, where socially they were very immature. Like my kids still had the mindset of like a four or five year old. So that was a lot to adjust to. And for my school, I worked in a charter school. So their mindset on what we should be doing as teachers is learning acceleration, which a lot of us at my school did not agree with, because you can't accelerate learning if they have no foundation. So there was a lot of growth to happen socially, but also for them academically very in a very short span of time. So it was very difficult in the beginning. A lot of repetition of rules and expectations and being very firm. Uh, I think this class was the most firm I've had to be in my four years, not in like a mean way, but just very uh, strict on like, this is the expectation. We're sitting on a carpet. We're learning. So you need to stay in your square, like very much a lot of repetition. But it was a very rewarding year at the end, I will say, because They made a lot of growth and a lot of progress. Like this was my, probably my best set of data for my whole teaching career so far. They made huge improvements. Yeah. But the beginning, I agree, was quite rough (laughs) just to get them started.
2: In in which area did they improve in that made you the most proud?
1: I want to say, honestly, their reading. Because a lot of my kids started with me either right at the beginning of readings, like an AA Or kindergarten level, so anywhere between a level A to a level C, somewhere around there. I had a few that were on first grade level, and I had maybe two that were on second grade level. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the school year, most of them were reading on a second grade level, and a couple of them were in first. I only had like two who were still in kindergarten level, but they had other considerations, Mm -hmm. but they also did grow too. So for me, I, I feel the most proud with their reading. That's yeah.
0: all right. Yeah. And y'all clap.
2: Not not here, but the audience is listening. <laughs> you know, that's the music. Thank you. So I have a teacher who believes very strongly in social emotional learning. So for those of you who don't know, social emotional learning uh, refers to the skills that you acquire where you understand your emotions and how your emotions affect other people. And then making sure that you make decisions that respect others, you set goals. You have empathy for others, things like that. So I'm all I would, I'm all I've always been that kind of teacher. With students missing an entire year and a half, right? Maybe a year and a quarter. Those kind of schools were important because you know they didn't have a chance to socialize with everybody because we were all quarantined. So uh, really, everything. And if you wanted to know more, you can go on Castle. I think it's board, or net, something like that, and they 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 detail their whole philosophy on teaching the entire child, right? So I did everything the website to the books would tell you to do and nothing was working. I was giving students the opportunity to define how the, the, the classroom will operate within reason. Obviously, I didn't say that, you know, it could be a Lord of the Fly situation, right? But... You know things like okay, this is how Mr. Joyner is going to address us. This is how we'll know that it's successful. This is how we'll know it's a failure. Uh, this is how we're going to address Mr. Joyner. This is how we'll know it's success, failure. We did that for every aspect of the class, from understanding how turning in papers are going to work to understanding how talking to parents about our classroom is going to work. And I reinforced it, and I had them sign it, and everything didn't work. There would be nights where I would stay up late, wake up, so I go to sleep around eight. Wake up at 12, stay up the rest of the night up until it's time to go to work, reading, trying to figure out, OK, what's going wrong? Maybe I didn't do this. Maybe I didn't do that. And then I had to talk with my assistant principal. My assistant principal was, said, uh, you didn't know this, but this group of kids been off the chain since they were in fourth grade. So the chances of you making super, super changes probably ain't that high. You need to adjust your... Uh, your expectations.
0: My favorite, uh, my favorite line: adjust your expectations.
2: Yeah, man. So, I mean, once I started, because like before that, like I was saying, I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't really eating that much. I was gaining weight. Still got the weight that I gained from the kids, man. But uh, <laughs> I once I started to realize that, and once I started to realize, okay, there are limitations. Like, I, you can't teach a kid who don't want to learn. You can't teach accountability if they don't want to be accountable. You can't make a parent care because the thing is with these kids that I taught, they have more than most, meaning the the, the median yearly uh, salary that their parents make is a little bit more than most, man. They're probably around $50,000, 60000 a year. So they're not economically disadvantaged. And then we live right next to Fort Gordon. And Fort Gordon is about to become the cybersecurity center for the United States military. So it's expanding. So I was getting most of those kids who had money, who could get whatever they wanted, who could get whatever shoes they wanted. So it wasn't that. Yeah, I just had to adjust my expectations. Do what I could, try as hard as I could, but don't devote extra time to the point where it takes away from my health, right? Because these kids ain't those kids that's gonna be there. They're not going to beat that 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 hard work halfway.
0: I remember. I think it was in February. I had a one of our content meetings, and I was thinking because I had so many students. Like I dug deep in my bag of tricks and mm-hmm. picked up new tricks, trying mm-hmm. to get kids to engage because i guess i might have been spoiled my first three years of teaching because even m- the most basic things i would use to bring kids into my lessons or get them to buy in it worked it was like it was like instant right. but for some reason this year all of the like you know we talked about it last week about what we're good at and We talking about relationship building like the right. stuff that we like like the games anime so on and so forth usually i start bringing that up and then the kids are like oh okay okay i like this this year
2: The only two things that saved was, one, I wear really loud shoes, right? So I got, I wear LeBron's, that's the man. So I wear like hot pink LeBron's or lime green and yellow LeBron's. And the other thing that saved me is some kids saw a parent trying to, they interpreted our interaction as a parent trying to hit on them. So then after that, all the boys like, oh, okay, Mr. Joy, okay, Mr. Joy. Bruh, it's not like that. It's not that serious. It didn't matter what I, it didn't matter how smart I was. It didn't matter how good I was at my job. I got shoes and they see a woman trying to talk to me.
0: Now they now they would have listened. So the one thing that did change it, and this is going to sound weird, I started wearing my black Air Forces every day. So the kids were like, "Oh, Mr. King's bringing that black Air Force energy in yeah. the class every day." <laughs> and so for some reason, once I started wearing those every day, things literally started to change
2: because they. Did they ever tell you what that means?
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah, we know. I'm a I'm a I'm a menace. Uh, I'm a I'm a menace. <laughs> Hey, you know what? I think that's why I started to wear them just because I was like, I wore them one day when some kids commented on it and that decided, you know, I'm just gonna wear them again and more kids started comment commenting on it. But you know, hey, by any means necessary. Yep. And so know. I wore black air forces for like the last like five months of school. Like every day, black Air Force energy. <laughs> so, Sarah, did you do anything different this year to try to wrangle those kids in?
1: Wow. Yeah, actually it's quite interesting because it's also something that my school had us do in uh in response to COVID. So, in previous years, pre-COVID, everyone ate breakfast in the cafeteria and stayed in the cafeteria until it was time for school to start and then your teacher would come pick you up. This school year and also last school year too, but they kept it for this school year. All the kids ate breakfast in the classroom Mm. and so when the kids would come in we would chat and a lot of teachers would put movies on but I didn't because I wanted to see what they would talk about and that's also where we did a lot of social building like they learned a lot of social skills through breakfast so through that change I was able to do things that I wouldn't be able to normally do like how you guys were talking about your shoes were something that like brought your students in for my students interestingly enough was me eating a school breakfast. There was one day that I ate a school breakfast, and they were like, oh, "Miss Pierce, you." Well, at the time I was Miss Pierce because I wasn't married yet. They're like, "Miss Pierce, you you ate that pancake?" And then I was like, "Yes, I ate the pancake. Like I'm hungry." And they're like, "What?" And it was this aha moment for them, and it just became a thing. Like I would eat a school breakfast, and they're like, "Well, how does it taste?" They know what it tastes like. They eat it all the time. But it just became this moment for them, I guess, where I became someone that they could relate to a lot more. And through that, we would talk about what did the breakfast taste like? Do you like it? Or maybe someone has never tried this before. And they would go get a school breakfast because school breakfast and lunch became free this school year. So anyone could get a school breakfast. So there'd be kids who'd come in and see like, oh, there's a corn dog and I've never had a corn dog. Well, I'm going to go try it because Miss Pierce ate one and it must be good because Miss Pierce ate it kind of thing. And it just kind of started a lot more conversations through that. Like that's where a lot of kids connected on TV shows they watch and YouTube that they watch and then find out like, oh, my gosh, Miss Pierce knows who this YouTuber is. Then they start talking to me about the YouTuber. Like breakfast was a school change, but also allowed me to make a lot more social changes for my room. We did a lot of community building through yeah. breakfast.
2: Meals are communal anyway. They Ooh. are. Yep, that's, that's That's a human basic thing.
1: I also learned a lot about my students through breakfast because then their siblings would come to my room during breakfast time too. Yeah, like they would just pop their head in and be like, hi, Miss Pierce. I would tell them hi and like, make sure you go to class because you don't want your teacher looking for you. But it just, yeah, it was just a really great community builder. And that was something different this year that really helped a lot, I will say.
0: I will say also, I want to give a special shout out to Netflix for helping out this year because Squid Games was very crucial in the learning process and getting kids to buy in. I only said it because once they knew that I watched it, there were a lot more ears open to what I was saying. Stranger Things also, of course, towards the yeah. end of the year, uh, that helped. And just Netflix shows in general are good for helping. I wanted to segue real quick, though, to the teachers. You reminded me of two teachers that I know who are very good with students. Now, I don't know if they have the same, if the students who uh, they eat lunch with have the same reaction because they're a little bit older. But mm-hmm. these two teachers, Coach Walker and Coach Willis, for a fact, I know, eat the students' lunches, like eat lunch with the students and everything. Mm-hmm. The students see that. And both of these teachers have great relationships with students. And, you know, I think it's important that you know, a lot of teachers, in my opinion, struggle because they don't make themselves accessible to students. Mm. And they're like they they like keep these big old boundaries and separations between them. Like adult child, I understand, but, you know, these kids have to, you have to become seem approachable. And so mm-hmm. when you think about like, I think about Coach Willis and Coach Walker and how they're down there eating lunches with them. They seem more approachable and students have better relationships to the teachers who I see just go to their room, go out to lunch come in and don't have those out of classrooms interactions do seem to struggle more in my observations. Your breakfast comment made that pop into my head. I wanted to jump to the second topic and this is for both of you. We know how we came into the year. How did the other teachers come in from your experiences? uh, Veteran teachers, new hires, um, you don't have to say names or anything, but just how did they come in into this year two of you know, COVID full year.
1: I think Patrick and I are both having similar (laughs) um, thought process right now because we both started laughing at the same time. (laughs) Patrick, do you want to go first?
2: I love my teammates. I would do anything for my teammates. This is by far the best set of teammates I've had. But looking back, I was naive. They were realistic, but it didn't feel like that at the time. It felt like. Oh, man, they're so negative. Oh man. Yeah. We understand they have, you know, problems, but we, we, we can talk about it. We can fix it. And slowly, but surely my, one of my mentors, I'm not going to say her name, but she was telling me that she knew what I was thinking, but it was better for me to come to the realization than for her to tell me what to think in the beginning. Cause I was new at that school. So yeah, they, they, They understood the challenges very well. They understood that hey, probably asking higher level questions, right? Analyze and compare and contrast. That's probably not going to work with these kids. I tried it anyway, and that's why I stayed up till one a.m., two a.m., three a.m., four a.m. But once I started to understand, okay, this is what it is. They were they were very helpful with their insight. It helped me to take a more healthy approach towards working with students. When I say healthy, I mean like mentally healthy, right? Making sure that I don't sacrifice family time for the work. So I was just (laughs) laughing about all the conversations we had (laughs) about students and fixing our our workplace ethic. So yeah, they were helpful.
1: For for my school, when I think about the veteran teachers that have been there um, when we started this school year, it was more on... I don't want to use the word survival, but it's somewhere between survival and adaptability, because a lot of things that we were able to do in the past when we were not able to do this school year, just because of where a lot of the students were starting. So this school year, I honestly relied on (laughs) a lot of my veteran teacher friends for help. I feel like this school year, there was a lot more collaboration between teachers especially veteran teachers and like novice or new teachers, just because, for example, I have a really good friend on the first grade team. She's a veteran teacher. She's been teaching for years. And like she helped me out with getting my friends who are starting at a kindergarten level up to where they need to be because she had the resources for that. While me as a second grade teacher, I didn't have that. So she was able to share resources, but also just advice. Um, I feel like there was a lot of advice sharing the school year. In terms of the new, the few new teachers that we did have this school year, I feel like they came in with very high expectations (laughs) um, and dreams. And like, you know, you always have that that saying where like, oh, the new teachers always come in and they're so fresh, but then their dreams get crushed. I feel like this was like the epitome of that because they were starting out and they're like so bright and happy and they're like, Yes, blah, blah, blah. And then you get to your first data meeting and they're like, oh. So that's kind of how the new teacher started. I feel like a lot of them did do well in the end but they definitely got the shock of their life in the beginning of the school year I will say that especially with classroom management a lot of the new teachers did struggle with classroom management
0: well, our older teachers struggle with
1: yeah but I will say like like Patrick said I had a really like strong team this year like we were very much there for each other which was very helpful because I feel like if I had a team that was Disconnected from one another, it would have been even more stressful than it already was. I got gray hairs this school year from stress. <laughs> so if I had to disjointed the team, I don't know what I would have done.
0: Welcome to the club. I love the <laughs> social studies team. Our social, our social studies team is legit. I love them to death. We're all grounded, helping each other out. Just this, this being able just to talk to each other, not even necessarily about the content, but just being able just to talk and. Our head IOT, our head coach, she is good at, in the military, you know how you, you complain up, right? Like you mm-hmm. complain up to the person higher than you. They don't mm-hmm. say anything. They just listen to you complain right. so you get it out and then go about your business. Mm-hmm. She was very good at letting us just dump our frustrations out. And then she was like, okay, I hear you. I hear you. Okay, so you ready? And I'm like, no, I am. Now that I got that off my chest, right? because- Sometimes you'll meet leadership who will cut you right off without letting you express yourself. Mm -hmm. And then instead of listening, just to listen to you, they want to listen to respond. So instead of just letting you vent, they're automatically trying to come up with a solution. Even though you're not necessarily looking for a solution, you just want to get this weight off your shoulders, put it out there, and then go about your day. And I think that um, as people, some of the people in my school move up through their leadership career, they get more used to that but she was very good at just letting us vent and then she might come back to us like a couple days later with an idea which is fine you know let it just like sit just don't immediately try to solve whatever gripe that I have at that moment because obviously I'm not trying to hear a solution I just want to get it out there and so she was uh, very good at that and I appreciate everything that she did
2: um this year like My assistant principal, man, Ms. Sturgis, I, I will say her, she got her degree in English. Like That was her first degree. So me being an ELA teacher in the seventh grade, I was able to go to her about everything. I think she knew that I wanted an, an answer. I'm the type of person, like if I come to you with a question and you don't have the answer, you better find it. <laughs> she was very good at doing that. She was one of the most knowledgeable. I think I've learned more from her than I have any other assistant principal I've ever had. And she she listened to Because seventh grade, we had a, a very good reputation. Like, we had a reputation of no matter what comes our way, we're going to fix it. We do our jobs. We do the big jobs and the small jobs. Everything we're thorough. And so she would do everything she could for us. In conjunction with the team and the assistant principal, it made things better. I couldn't imagine going through this, this school year with an assistant principal who doesn't really care or who leads in a very disconnected way. (laughs) That would would be difficult.
0: I'm going to skip that part of the conversation. I look forward to seeing them grow. I'm just...
1: That's a very nice way to put it.
0: Well, you know, I'm not... (laughs) it just... At the end of the day, it's just different. I am mean, I'm a teacher. I'm not an AP yet. I'm not a principal yet. But I do aspire to be one one day. So when I look at leaders, just how I did growing up and everything, I look at leadership qualities that I like and leadership qualities that don't fit me, mm-hmm. and try to like see. Okay, I don't. I don't like. I don't agree with that. How would I fix it? That's not my approach. That's how I look at it with every single leader. I'm not saying I'm the best. That's just my approach because one day I will be. In that leadership role, and I want to make sure I'm the I'm the best leader that I can be with my personality and not try to force my way to be a type of leader that I'm naturally not.
2: Mm-hmm. That's how I clean it up. I clean it up because I don't feel like I left enough room for different leadership styles. I understand everybody's different leadership styles. I mean, things like we have five as four assistant principals, and some of us were hired due to nepotism. And in order to make sure that people know that I deserve my job, I'm going to create things that make your job harder. But it collects data and it makes me look like I am important. (laughs) That type of stuff. Right. That's what I'm talking about. Not different leadership styles, but like ways to make yourself seem important. You don't really deserve the job that you got. That's what I'm talking about. I will say. Well, I understand. I will say.
0: Uh, just in case for some random reason they do listen to this, which I don't think they will. I do think they all deserve the ones I'm talking about. They deserve that. They deserve their they deserve their spots. I just don't necessarily agree with how they do things, but other teachers do. So more power to them. If they, I mean, that's just the, that's just the way it is. I don't regret. I I think personally, they're awesome. I just, it's just a, inside the school building leadership. Wise, I just some things I don't agree with. But I never like went off on one of them and be like, hey, you know what, you're doing this freaking wrong. Let me yell at you in front of the students and you just take my verbal thrashing or anything. And to be fair, they're very because I've seen APs who don't have any type of respect towards their teachers, right? I will say that my APs are very good at talking to their teachers Mm. and knowing when to talk to the teacher. And in a calm, like in a nice, calm way, at least to the teachers, like I I never seen them disrespect, belittle, demean, like, and I was never disrespected, belittled or demeaned by them also. And so that's very refreshing to me because I do know of people who have leadership that snap at them in front of a student to take away that power from the teacher and so on and or do it in the meeting in front of all the other teachers. And so I hear stories like that and I am very grateful that my leadership have never done that with me now hmm. i can't speak for what happens in other parts of the building i can only speak on what i see and i've never seen it towards me or towards any of the teachers around me so i do appreciate that because one of my biggest issues is that teachers power being taken away by someone else and then making that teacher's life worse when it comes to dealing with those students oh and then my new our new teachers uh like sarah said earlier i remember when we when we both sarah and i tfa alumni tfa i remember when we got hired there's teachers who were coming to us talking about the culture shock and the shell shock we were gonna have so on and so forth and then my first year i was like wait what what's shell shock this is this is mm-hmm. easy i won't say easy work but i'm being told that i'm about to get hit over the head and here i am hitting home runs in my first year so you don't yep. know what i'm talking about so this year, I even though it's my fourth year, I had a little bit of show shock myself. And I can only imagine. Well, I know some of the first year teachers had a big show shock
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, this year. And I did feel bad because I don't think they were necessarily supported uh, very well. Yeah. For various, for different reasons. I wasn't necessarily in the leadership role to make those decisions. We had a new math teacher come in and I was asked to be his mentor like uh, two months after he was there. Mm -hmm. and I was I said okay and I'll admit I wasn't the best mentor because I had my own stuff going on in the seventh because he was a sixth grade teacher I'm seventh grade so not only am I dealing with my classes I'm coaching I have after school club I'm doing also and then there's all the fires I had to put out for other teachers Um, when it comes to like students yeah uh, you know like we had this long-term son who I was her go-to for, mm-hmm. Like She had a problem with kids in her class. Mr. King, Mr. King, when the students come over, Mr. King, she needs you. And I'm going over there, taking kids from that class, putting them in my class and just doing all that. So I wasn't the best mentor mm-hmm. to him. And I just feel like the new teachers were kind of left out dry on their own. Mm-hmm. I am glad to see that a lot of them are coming back for another year, at least as of right now, they're sliding for rooms and everything. So I am looking forward to to that. And I get to work with a whole group of them who are newer than me because I'm going down to sixth grade next year. Oh, so wow. I have like a whole new sixth grade team I'll be working with. So, and a lot of them, I, they came after I did. So I'm looking forward to mm-hmm. uh, working with them. You ever
2: taught sixth grade before?
0: I never taught
2: sixth grade before.
0: <laughs> but, um, so we, we get a new principal and she she's she is coming in like you know that miley cyrus uh, wrecking ball song mm-hmm. like, yeah she's coming in with the wrecking ball she is changing things up she's like made pretty much everybody move rooms get the, getting all of us out of our comfort zones rearrange what grade levels go where uh she has this idea for these classroom setups which hey you know what i'm going to give anything a try because things we have been doing haven't been working to the extent that we wanted them to mm-hmm. so she wants change And one of the changes she wanted was she wanted what she said, strong teachers in sixth grade because she feels like if the sixth graders we get come in with good, solid structure and, you know, a good environment, then that'll help them as they go up to seventh and eighth grade. Because what we saw this year in seventh and eighth grade is the lack of that. It's her belief that good foundation obviously leads to a strong house and sixth grade for middle school is that foundation. So it's going to be between me and another teacher who's going to move down to sixth grade. And I might have gone up to eighth, but they settled on me. But I have to go get my, I was already going to go get my certification for four through eight course subjects anyway. So they just like, are you, are you willing to go down to sixth grade? Cause I originally was eighth grade. And I was like, yeah, I'm down. You know, I'm down for the experience. I'm just I'm looking forward to the the change and the subject I'll be teaching is world cultures, which I'm already already more excited about than teaching Texas history. Cause I've been doing Texas history <laughs> for four years. I'm over it. They can keep that. I don't know if I ever go back to it. I think if they ever try to put me back it, back into it, I'll probably have to leave because I am over Texas history. So world cultures board my wheelhouse, uh, my experience as a travel marine and just what I
2: majored in, majored in, I'm more suited for world cultures, hands down. If you ever need help teaching about China or Japan, since I live of those places, hit me up. I got you.
0: But I guess you got ahead of yourself because that's, that's, the, that's the last part of what comes next. Before we get to that, I'm going to let you two talk about what you have going on next. I want to talk about overall successes because I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. So I like to force to first talk about our big successes uh, from the school year. And either of you can start.
1: I can go ahead. So successes, I kind of talked about this a little earlier, but just feeling really proud of my my scholars with their growth in reading, as mostly reading. I mean, they grew in all subjects, but reading, I feel like they made the most growth, which is very fundamental for the rest of their school career because. Even in math, you have to be able to read the word problems and understand them and things like that. So I'm really proud of them for their reading. I feel like they also had really great success socially. Like, even though I said in the beginning that it was pretty rough, they made so much growth socially from the beginning of the school year till the end, to the point where in the hallway, they would, like, reprimand the third and fourth and fifth graders because they weren't quiet. And they would tell them, like, you go up there up the stairs so loud, and that's disrespectful to the people who are learning around you. And it was, they just grew a lot. Confidence, a lot of them just, you saw their confidence blossom. And I just feel like as a teacher, that is, in my opinion, something to be so proud of, like that you can see such change and growth in my students. And just, I don't know, they just were so, I think they had a really great year, like of all years for this one to be their first full year of school, I think that they had a lot of successes and things to be proud of. I think successes in terms of myself, I don't know if we can like talk about that.
0: Yeah, go ahead. Um, Go ahead. That works too.
1: For myself, I feel proud of myself for work-life balance because this school year, I really pushed myself to leave work at work and it helped my mental state so much, incredibly. So I'm proud of myself for being able to time manage in a way that will allow me to leave work at work.
0: I remember Daniel said, uh, he thanked me because I don't know if you remember that conversation we had about leaving work. I had talked to you about it and Daniel has said, thank you for talking to you about that Mm -hmm. early in the school year about that cutoff and this laying it go. It was after the hike, you said you're going to do some work stuff. (laughs) <laughs> After we were done hiking and I was like, no, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. And yeah. So I'm glad Yeah, to hear, no,
1: I did it. I cut it off. I cut I'm glad it to off.
0: hear that uh that balance came through.
1: Yes.
2: Also that the fact that your students are having that confidence, that's a sign of a healthy classroom environment. Because mm-hmm. you can't be confident in chaos. Not that mm-hmm. age again. You know, yeah. know? so that speaks a ton to how much you actually care for the kids and how they receive it. That's super dope, man.
1: Yeah, thank you.
2: Oops. Oh, I think uh, one of the things that I consider a win this year is there was one student, I'm not going to say a name for the sake of conversation, let's call him Xavier. Xavier. <laughs> he was actually the subject of some of my master's papers for uh, my master's degree, but he was a student that cared exclusively about himself. He, uh, he, he bullied other people. He didn't care about their feelings. He talked about them endlessly, even if they were his quote-unquote friend. Um, but that was because he had some issues at home. He had issues with you know not seeing his parents. He had issues with living with his grandfather. His grandfather has health issues. And I remember him saying, like, I was probably one... I was always only student teacher who took the time out to talk to him about that stuff. And eventually... Over the school year, manifested in him actually doing all the work in my class, caring about his grade in my class, managing other students to where they were talking while I was talking. He would tell, A, hey, shut up!" I'd tell, "Hey, don't say, shut up!" Right? Let's use different language. But he cared about climbing in the class. That's one. Uh, and he also like organized a big birthday party. Like uh, <laughs> he got, he tried to get balloons, created the birthday card, he made people sing "Happy Birthday." It was. It was dope. It was super dope. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, man. Cause you know, a student don't have to do that. A student doesn't have to do that. A student's not gonna do that if they don't like <laughs> they'll they'll let your birthday go on by and I said it to Right. And then the other thing was towards the end of the year, just the the entire the entire climate of the classroom changed to the point where it was more positive. We stopped talking about people and we started asking, we started getting to know each other, mm-hmm. we started getting to understand how each other works to the point where they Finally developed executive function to where, hey, you play games because we're at the end of the year, after end of year testing, nobody's really doing nothing. Right. In mm-hmm. we we're all just trying to get to the end of the year. But I would assign work and I'd give them the options I was like, hey, look, this is do what it's due. You can play or you get work done and then we can play later. Mm-hmm. And they actually did the work first. And at the end of the day, we was able to play. We play Uno and it mm-hmm. <laughs> got to a point where, okay, this same group of students is doing what they're supposed to be doing. I'm going reward them. So, I'd get them, they like Walmart lemonades. We play Uno. All so, that's another thing that I, I count as a win the students actually developing some executive function. And for me, <laughs> personally, I consider it a win that uh, I was able to keep my job and not cuss nobody out. Hey, <laughs> I didn't cuss no parents out, I didn't cuss no administration out. I made it, and I'm about to go to Japan. So, those are the wins for me personally. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Every
0: year, I try to I tell my students that they're going to have to do some type of public speaking presentation. At the beginning of the year, they always say no, 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 but usually they do it. This year, I was really worried about it because, you know, how far behind they were in those social skills and everything. I really did think I was going to have a revolt on my hand. So at the end of the year, I had them do their vision boards. I had them create digital vision boards. And I had every student except for two. So I had like 144 students, I had 142 of them get up there and share their vision board with their classes. And so that was huge for me because it got them out of their comfort zone, got them up there talking in front of their class. And so I always come to that as a huge win when I can get my kids to publicly speak. And then another thing that I was proud of and I thought was super successful was just seeing like Sarah said earlier, that growth that they had, like some of my kids, I was worried because I, I could have sworn by like April, May. I was like, wait a minute, I'm not seeing the growth that I normally see by this time. But then, you know, June comes around and then I don't know if it's like a light switch or whatever, or they knew we hey, were about to go to eighth grade. But next thing you know, I saw kids like stepping up their game and being like changing almost overnight with their maturity, getting ready to go into eighth grade, so it's like they got rid- it's like they took that mantle early and like wore it and you know proceeded. So i was, I was very happy to see that because I was concerned, but to see them do that
2: mm-hmm. was great. And then it wasn't like oh man, the grade book's about to close. I didn't get some great. Well, they know. I don't know if that's how they felt about other teachers, but my grade book doesn't change like that.
0: Mm. Um, and they know how I grade, so. They're, I don't I don't do that. And then for me personally, words of affirmation is my love language, but it's also my work. My work, language, like how I like to be acknowledged at work. I don't mm-hmm. need gifts. I don't need none of that. I don't need a handshake or anything. You keep your handshake. I like just being told that I'm doing a good job. Mm-hmm. I would like to be told that I'm doing great. So we had these teacher awards that the students voted on. And so the fact that I got voted for giving the best advice was huge for me. Because that means students, not just students that I had, but students in general, like out of all their teachers, they voted that I ha- I give the best advice, and it wasn't close at all. So that was huge. And then I got some other awards too, like most likely to win Jeopardy. I thought that was pretty cool because like oh, I think <laughs> they acknowledged the trivia. Uh I finished high for most dramatic, which makes sense. Very animated teacher. But just getting like those awards, there there's like 10 of them, and I actually pretty sure I won four or five of them. Oh, wow. And so just being recognized by my students for the work that I put in was huge for me. More so than my school recognized because I didn't even get acknowledged for that, but that's another story. So yeah, that kind of, ru- I came home the other day and I was talking, well, I don't want to get into it, but yeah, the students love me and you know, I'm here for them, not for the adults. So yeah. I'm cool with it. As long as the students recognize how much I care for them and how much I want best for them. Mm -hmm. That's all that matters to me. And so they recognize that. And so I appreciated that. Uh, What's next for y'all? I already mentioned me. I'm going to sixth grade, teaching world cultures. I'll also be coaching at high school and the middle school level. So I'm looking forward to that too.
1: Um, For me, I just got married and moved. So I moved from Texas to Tennessee. So I'm now currently in Memphis. So I'll be starting a new school. Same grade level. So I'll still be teaching second grade, but second grade at my new school is departmentalized, which is very interesting. I've never heard of a second grade being departmentalized. So I'll be teaching reading for second grade. So I'm interested to see how that goes. I'm kind of nervous for it because I don't know how departmentalized is going to work with such little kids, but I'm excited for it.
2: For me, I've already alluded to it a bunch of times, but next month, oh my God, it's next week. Yeah, next month, moving to Yokohama to start my job as a kindergarten teacher. And uh, kindergarten, I love kindergarten because no matter what you do, they love you. <laughs> so, <laughs> easy money. <buddy. laughs> I could do that. And then uh, I think next semester will be my last semester. I'll probably <laughs> have a master's. So that's a nice little box to check. So, yeah, man, that's it. Moving to Japan and finishing up my master's.
0: Oh, yeah, I forgot. I'll also be starting my my principal certification next school year also. Awesome. I'll be starting that process. So thank you both for coming. Thank you for everyone listening to this episode. So we're going to be taking a week off because I have a little girl coming. She will be here. Well, we will be in the hospital on Wednesday, definitely. So that Saturday, I won't be available. Sure. Next up, Patrick and I will be talking to my new principal coming in on July 9th. So looking forward to that conversation. Thank you all for listening and wherever you are, have a great day.